0: On this episode of the Camp Owners Podcast, we are excited to have a crossover episode with our friends at the Day Camp Pod. Host Andy Pritikin has some amazing guests that I think you'll all really enjoy listening to, and it continues the great conversations we've been having about succession, transition, and what it takes for a young person to have a long-time career in the camp industry. Enjoy, everybody.
1: This is the Camp Owners Podcast from Go camp Pro. Exploring issues and best practices that professionals in the private camp industry face every day. You can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash ownerspod. Activity schedules are the backbone of every camper's experience. But if there's a staffing change, it's really hard to find a person that knows your camp and the nuance your schedule takes. Come check out Camptivities to learn more about our scheduling tools designed for camps by camp people. Find out more at Camptivities.com. The Camp Owners podcast is sponsored by Camp Brain. Camp Brain's camp management software not only provides a great management tool for you to have the best workday ever, but it's a delightful registration experience for your parents. Camp Brain is not only focused on your needs for summer 2024, but for the next 25 summers and beyond. Welcome to
0: the Camp Owners Podcast, a space for camp owners to talk about the unique aspects of camp ownership and get inspired by each other. We are going to sit down with camp industry experts, leaders, and fellow camp owners to hear how the camp dream transpired for them, learn from each other, and discuss some of the biggest issues in the private camp industry. Hi everybody, my name is Howie Grossinger and I am the co-owner of Camp Robin Hood, a day camp, and also the co owner of Camp Walden, an overnight camp in Ontario, Canada.
2: Hello, everybody. My name is Kelly Shuna. I am the, I am the executive director and co owner of Hidden Pines Ranch Day Camp, located in Stillwater, Minnesota. If you are looking to find and subscribe to the Camp Owners Podcast, you can find us online at gocamp.pro/slash ownerspod or by searching for us in your favorite podcast app. Also, if you're listening to this and you think it'd be helpful for other camp owners, directors, aspiring camp owners in your circle, please feel free to send them a note to listen. Howie, how are you?
0: I'm good, Kelly. How are you? Nice to be together again.
2: Nice to be together. When this episode airs, we will have spent time together at the National Camp Conference, which is super exciting. I can't wait. It's always nice to be with camp professionals, in person, and for you and I to be in the same space, which is awesome. I
0: I agree. Looking forward to that. And we are in the middle of camp conference season. So many things to engage in and share with people. And it's just a really great time of our calendar to start thinking about how we can make 2024 uh, the best summer ever uh today, Kelly we're gonna do something we did last season, and that is we're gonna partner up with our good friend Andy Pritikin at the day camp pod, uh, a very popular podcast in the go camp Pro network and we're gonna do a crossover episode today um as you know, Kelly, and to our listeners, we've tried this season to do a lot of conversations about transition succession models of purchasing buying and selling camps and our goal today is just to continue that trend with a great conversation that Andy recently had. Yes,
2: yeah, so I'm super excited that he reached out to us and it's just right in line with the things that we've been talking about. And I love at the beginning how they're talking about, you know, young people and getting into this industry of camp ownership. And yeah, I'm super excited. So I think it it makes sense. It's right in line with everything. So I'm hopeful that our listeners will enjoy it like we did and, and feel like it's a great you know, kind of in line with what we've been talking about.
0: Absolutely. So Andy will be talking with uh, Sam Boric from Woodmont Day Camp and Greg Lick from Elmwood Day Camp. Uh, their conversation is very engaging, great storytelling and just some great insight. So I agree, Kelly. I hope our listeners enjoy to this crossover episode of the Day Camp Podcast and the Camp Owners Podcast. Have a great time listening and we'll catch you on Welcome the other back side to the
3: day camp podcast this is andy pritikin director of liberty lake in the philly suburbs of new jersey and we are joined today from two of my camp colleague brothers sam bork from woodmont day camp and greg Lick from elmwood this is the podcast where we just we just cut out the uh intros and all that kind no of No appetizers food. Go to the main, the put main some meat there. on
4: the freaking bone all right Go that's ahead. what we do here This is the most excited I have been in a very long time. Yeah. (laughs) So being on a, being on the day
3: camp pod is huge for me. That's awesome. But unfortunately, uh, Greg says, I'm so excited about this. Most, the most exciting thing is that I get to finally meet Sam Thompson. And unfortunately, Sam is not with us today. Her mom, her elderly mom passed away and, and they are doing all that fine stuff. And uh, Sam, you're in our thoughts. All right. And and uh, just know, you know, one of your big fans here, you're going to have to make it to Tri-State one day, Sam, so you could actually meet uh, Greg. Sam is big at ACA National, but uh, is still trying to get the, um, the Crystal Lake uh, Park Authority or whatever it is that she works for to pay for her to come out to uh, Atlantic City. You know, I think they think she's just going to gamble. So, um... <laughs> So today's topic is going to be about transitioning leadership, because uh, both Greg and Sam took over existing camps, and that's a really, really interesting thing. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about pipeline stuff, because uh, my son Justin and a lot of the contemporaries, uh, you know, the 20 and 30 year olds and Jack Shot and all, they've been very focused uh recently about um, you know, there's just no easy way for young people to get a shot, you know, to to become a camp director or, you know, own a camp and all that kind of thing. And uh, you know, I, I I understand it's not easy. But I also think it's a lot of hogwash in a way, because I think that um, if you're motivated enough and you pick up the phone or you show up and and do things and you volunteer, I I think there's lots of ways in. So so, um, we're going to ask, we'll we'll start with uh, Sam. And, um, you know, you could talk about like how you, you know, your little background and how you got to be sitting in that in the captain's chair right there.
5: Look, I think the main word that you said was easy because they're right. There's no easy way in. No. But it doesn't mean there isn't a way.
3: Yeah. And we're in a day and age where I could pick up my phone right now and do a a zillion things. Correct. You know, and just get it done. Right.
5: And the one part they have right is that what's different about our industry, and we, I think we can all agree on this, is there are a finite number of jobs. So if you are a computer programmer, you can put your resume out all over the country, and there are people that can hire you for computer programming. CAMs right. have, a, have a limited number of full-time positions. So they, they're right in the sense that it's not easy to walk into a full-time position, but it can happen. So Cliff Notes version of me... Went to camp growing up, stopped when I was 15 or 17, thought I was going to be done. Uh, Met someone who owns a camp in Maine. He said, come work for the summer. I did. And then it took me four and a half years to get a full-time job. Uh, And and what I did in that time is the first, my first summer, I was there just for the summer. Then I was there from May to August. Then I was there from January. Then I was hired January to August. Then I was finally hired full-time. But in between... I was waiting tables. I was cold calling for sales. I was uh, a mediator in small claims court. I was living on my friend's couch for four months in Manhattan to get to camp. So it, I, it, the, the point that they're making is accurate in that you can't just show up and get a job day one. What I tell young people is you got to pay your dues in the sense that no one's going to hire you full time without seeing what you could do during the summer because the, the work from September to May let's just be totally honest, it's not that incredibly challenging. It's work, and there's hours involved, and there's sales, and there's a lot of ju- balls to juggle. But your true value for any staff member is June to August. Right? Who can handle the pressure of that time, of 18-hour days, or um, you know, stresses that come up from a bus breakdown, or kids getting hurt, or whatever it may be. So you have to put your time in, and it may take two, three, four years. And I think for today, that that seems hard because people want to show up and say, "I'm ready." You know, one of one of my friends has a great line, which today's youth uh, is uh, underqualified but willing to start at the top. So I, I I'm ready to be a camp director, right? I I, yeah. I was a group counselor last summer. I my group was awesome. I could do your job. I could yeah. be a director. Let me in.
3: So knowing a couple of details about your thing that you didn't disclose, yeah. two things. One of them is that in that time they were waiting tables and stuff you're talking about, you also got your law degree. Okay, Correct. So you were getting, you know, you were getting schooled also yes. in important transferable skills, yes. which I think is awesome. And I always tell people, you know, whether it's an education degree or, you know, or a master's or whatever, you know, yeah. because you could have an undergraduate degree or whatever. You know, my son got a, a human organizational development. basically a camp director degree. It's amazing. Um, but and then secondarily, that the the camp owner person that you chose to sort of align with and throw your chips in a little bit, you knew that this was an entrepreneurial person that was, that, that would that would, you know, that had the potential to take on people and expand and buy more camps and all that kind of thing, too. Right. Yep.
5: And the best is when your mother looks at you and says, all right, so you have a law degree. You're going to go work four months of the year at Sleepaway Camp. What the hell is wrong with you? And you're going to trust this guy that you don't know from from Adam, that he tells you that if you keep working, eventually there'll be a full-time job. When's eventually? I'm like, no.
3: The slick guy in a fancy car.
5: Correct. I'm like, I don't know, but I just, I feel like this is a good opportunity. And it went from, you know, as I said, three months to four months, to six months, to eight months, to a year.
3: Right. And I I think the big uh, word that I use all the time when I talk about this with people is risk. Correct. You have to be willing to take risk. Yeah. And it's easier to do when you were at that stage, Sam. 100%. Right? Then if you fast forward to 15 years and you were married with two kids. That's right. Single, right? no kids. Virtually impossible at that point. That's right.
5: So right. living on a couch for months and you know not having to deal with, not having to worry about those responsibilities, that's the time to do it. You know, 20 to 28, 29, when you're in that window of just put, if you, I think the point you made earlier, Andy... It, with uh, Justin and, and Jack and whomever, if it's something you really want, you can achieve it. You just have to work for it and you have to be patient. And I think that today, patience is not a virtue. I think that the, the yep. most of the expectation is, I want it to happen now. I'm ready. Make it yeah. happen.
3: Well, when Skip and Ben were telling me to be patient, I sort of wanted to punch him in the face. But yeah, I guess. correct.
5: And by the way, it took me it took me 10 years to be a camp director, right? From the time that I right. I started my camp Career as an adult, you know, not Whoa. not working as a seventeen year old counselor. It took ten years and lots of failed opportunities that that I thought were going to happen, that Whoa. were really close to happening, and that never, that never, never materialized. And Risk. I, I know that was the same for Greg. Right, it, you, yeah. you
4: took a lot of risks. Right, yeah. it was awesome. Greg Lick. You know, one, one thing that I will say is that it is failing is just part of this. I, the the amount of camps that I was supposed to lead and then. All of a sudden, not lead. Uh, it is, it's just part of this, you know, and you have to, you have to be able to embrace that rejection. I'm lucky in that I came from a theater background, which is, you know, you spend 99 percent of improv, your time in improv, improv. That's right. I'm really good at being rejected, but I, I believe that opportunities are out there. There are a couple of core beliefs that I have. The first is you gotta just be there. You know, I, to me, FaceTime is the most important thing. I I believe one of the reasons I am successful is not because I am so smart or even that good at this. It's that I'm always willing to be the first person there in the morning and the last person to leave at night. And that shows something to your leader. You know, the other piece that to me is incredibly important is that you have to say yes so there is going to be a time that you're going to get an opportunity that you don't necessarily feel is right for you at this particular time but if the if the goal is to have your own camp just say yes uh just say yes there's a can you come join us and help move these buses today just say yes it's a saturday afternoon you had other plans but your vision is to be a camp director you got to say yes this is you know everybody knows what the summer but it's like, as Sam mentioned, we want people to be there all the time. That's the beauty of this work. And I think yes is just a really important answer. Yeah.
5: And if I can add one thing that, that you said earlier about just aligning yourself with the right people, you know, we've been at Woodbine now 16 years. So many of our full time staff have become either camp directors or leaders at other places because of the the, the relationships that are built by being in a really good operation. So people who work with us full time, if they have an opportunity and it's not at Whitman, we encourage them to take it. We connect them to other people. We encourage them to, We encourage them to interview. If there's a job right. open that's out there and it's not at Whitman because I'm not ready to retire yet, then I'm going to support you because yes. it's important to grow.
4: Right. Sam, it's a huge point. And, and I will also say, I, I think largely my success is based on the amount of volunteering that I did Camps that had nothing connected. to do that were my actual camp right. I met so many wonderful people and serving on tri-state and different committees. Those things matter. Like those, that's where my relationship started from, and uh, and 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 to me is a, a big driver behind my success.
3: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And and you know, the, 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 Sam, that attitude, that sort of like people that work for us, we're sort of training them to leave us. Right. That that is what it's like in the real world, by the way, like Correct. in the business world. It's Correct, only in the, yeah. it's only in the camp world or like these small business kind of mind, small minded kind of people that are just like, oh, no, I want this here, person here forever. Right? Yeah. I want them to grow. And it's easy for us to say because we were one of those people once. Right. That's and right. Keith Klein was one of those people once. Right. And Jeff Ackerman was one of those people once. So they all saw that and gave us that opportunity to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and, and Greg, just see, as a musician, I understand exactly what you know, what, what you're saying about the rejection and all that kind of thing, and and the attitude that sort of life is a little bit of a lottery, and you got to be in it to win it, you know, kind of thing. So, can you talk a little more, Greg, about specifically of how you got to be sitting in the captain's chair, though?
4: Yeah, for sure. I um, this was not the dream, you know, the the dream could be with the, win a Tony Award on Broadway one day, which is yet to happen, uh, but I. For me, I loved camp so much that I would just go back to camp every summer. And and I and I mentioned this earlier. My mom at some point taught me that the only way to be successful at a job is to make yourself indispensable. So so that is what I would do. I would go to Elmwood every summer and I would figure out ways, even though I taught drama, that somehow I was gonna be the person who was gonna make food service work for this camp, or I was gonna be the person who was gonna figure out dismissal better than anybody else. Um And I had a a remarkable director and a remarkable mentor, and he saw that in me. And he would just keep giving me a little bit more. You know, every summer, I would get a little bit more, not a little bit more money, but a little bit more responsibility. And every summer, somewhere in April or May, I'd have a job, and I'd think to myself, you know what, it's warm outside, I want to go back to camp, I'd call, and he would take me back. And then at a certain point, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And, but there was no full time job. So I think very similar to Sam, I was given an opportunity to be, you know, be a camp during the summer, but oversee our staff orientation. Certainly not a full time position, but I did that. And then I did 10,000 other things during those five or six years. And then eventually I got hired full time. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. I made less money actually when I was hired full time because I wasn't doing 15 other things to, you know, support my business. But my, I used to do trainings at other camps, and I would do all of this stuff to make the job work. Um, when the directors, Jeff and Bobby, decided to retire, there was an opportunity to purchase and, and become the directors of the camp. That's about 13 years ago.
5: Andy, can I have one quick story? My, my first summer at Laurel, I was a division head. And after that summer, I, I, I typed a letter to, to Keith, the, the, the owner, uh, of, of what my idea was to create a new position at camp. That was I felt was needed after being there for one summer as a 22 year old. Um, I, I told this seasoned camp director and owner what he needed to do to make this camp better, and it was to create a new position, and I would be the one to fill that position. So here's what you're you're clearly missing. You have no idea how to do this, and here's what you should do. That's awesome. and I should be the one to do it. So he, he go ahead, Greg. you have a comment.
4: No, no, Sam, no that's just... my story. I, I never <laughs> forgot. I sat, I sat at a Saturday retreat. Yeah. a bunch of other camps with Jeff in the middle of winter, and I heard it was it was Rolling Hills Day Camp had a program director. And yeah. Elmwood didn't have a program director. And I yeah. and I so I wrote this whole letter to Jeff and I said, You need a program director, and I'm going to take this job. Yeah. And he let me do it. But like what's great with
5: Keith, Keith said, Sam, you may be right. All those things could happen at camp. We're not creating a new position. You can. I'm going to give you a position A, and you can do all those things on top of these other responsibilities. And if you want to do that, then you can show value. So I took the job as the assistant program director, Dave Craig-Similar. And then all the things I had on my list of things that should go on that do not fall under the jurisdiction of the assistant program director, I still did. So to your point earlier, it's working 7 a.m. to midnight every day without fail and showing that you need me, I'm there to do it. Can I add one more quick story?
3: Sorry, sorry. One more minute. The tape is rolling. Say on the tape is rolling.
5: This is I I remind Keith of this story. So um, the I was the assistant program director. It's my second summer, and there were four of us in the on the program team. Two throughout the summer quit, so it was myself and one other. The program director, his deal at camp was after visiting day, he went up to the Adirondacks. He had a house there for the rest of the summer. So it's my second summer at camp. My first summer in the program office. For the last three weeks, I was the only person in the program office. So I was writing the program. I was doing the daily newsletter. I was setting up special events. You know, so literally it was 7 a.m. to midnight. So the second night that that I'm now the program department, I'm closing down the evening program. And Keith comes up to me and goes, so uh, you're the program staff now. And I said, I I, I guess so. He goes, yeah, try not to mess it up. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks,
3: well, listen it goes down it comes down to like you said about greg's mom said this is make yourself indispensable that's it you want Way me to simple. set up
5: a set up evening program and break it down done right. You want me to drive the golf cart and pick up people whatever you need.
3: right and 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 also what greg said too was like and be, be prepared to get paid like crap at first too because you have to prove yourself you know in order to get that so so when i was initially hired to be a full-time camp professional i was called an intern first and I was paid $24,000 and I just had to suck it up. And I had, I had been making $40,000 as a, as a teacher, plus teaching private lessons on the side, plus working at camp as a leadership role in the summer. And I was just like, you know what? I mean, fortunately, my wife had a good job at the time. I said, I'm going to suck it up and, and give it a whirl. You know, you just have to take that risk and, and jump in and, the deep end.
5: And for young people to get in, you have to jump in the deep end, find the right organization, go for the summer, show that you're indispensable, and then know that just because you do it doesn't mean you're getting a full-time job in September. It might take time, but you got to be fully committed. You can't you can't have your toes in the water. You got to be in the deep end.
4: Yeah. And I, I do believe that making your voice known and what you want is actually something that I think people are better at today than certainly we were 20 years ago. Absolutely. And nothing Absolutely. makes me happier when people come and say, this is the kind of work that I want to do, and my answer is okay. That can't happen tomorrow, but I would love to be a part of of helping you figure out that path. Uh, and by the way, whether that's camp or something else, you know, completely.
5: And Greg, it so may not be done. With, I, right, you'll connect them somewhere else and say, "Listen, 100%. you're amazing. We have nothing here, but I got my friend Andrew, my friend Jeff, or my friend Bob, whatever it is, and let me connect you with them."
4: And and well, I, I also think that in this industry, which we know is growing. There are a lot of positions out there. It's just it's just a matter of helping people find them and, and that's a role we all play, which I think is it's great. Yeah.
3: And, and we've said it, we've all three of us have said it. It's it's a who you know game too. There's no doubt about it. You gotta put yourself out there. And it's hard if you're an introvert, but you gotta do it. You got you gotta play that
1: game. Hey, folks, it's Matt here, and I'm the producer of the Camp Orders podcast, and I wanted to remind you that we are so grateful for the support of Camp Brain for bringing this podcast to you. Camp Brain's camp management software is one that has been supporting camps, over 1,700 camps, with all of their registration needs. They've got fundraising. They've got staff modules. They're constantly working to improve the experience and be responsive to what camps need. And as someone who has previously been the director of a camp brain camp, I want to say one thing that really makes them stand out to me is their incredible customer service. They are so easy to get a hold of and help whenever you need something. They make it very clear about how they can support you, what you'll need to do to go forward, and they get you back on track and ready to go. Whether it's reports or technical needs or helping camp parents, they are such a great resource and their team is great. So all of us here at the Camp Owners Podcast definitely encourage you to go check out Camp Brain. You can find out more at campbrain.com All All right, back to the show.
3: All right. So now back to the reason that we thought that we would have this podcast, which is transitioning leadership, which is hard. Right. Um, The the first experience I had with that is when uh, the Applebaum group sold to Jay Jacobs and crew and Jay came in and he had just uh, he had just had great success. He took taken over Timberlake where he had gone to. Then he had taken, he took over at at Tyler Hill. Then he had taken over at at Timberlake West. And I I always like, well, so how does this work with this whole thing? And he's just like, Andy. There is just no great way to do this. Like, you know, he's like, I went into one place and I was like, Mr. Tough Guy, and that didn't work out. I came into the next place, I gave everybody raises, that didn't work out. He's just like, you just have to sort of feel your way through with this. And then, you know, I realized it, that there, this is a science. Like, there's there's great books and stuff about transitioning leadership because you're dealing with human emotions right i mean that's what we do as camp directors that's what we do as, you know as leaders is is deal with with the the human frailty all the time right and and, and it really gets uh, heightened the sensitivities get heightened during the situation so i want to start with greg first because greg he mentioned this guy that that mentored him and gave him the opportunity to buy in and all that kind of stuff and this guy is literally a legend of camp now right he is officially deemed that he's got his like certificate on his wall so um I could only imagine how daunting that would be to to step into his shoes. Yeah, it was pretty
4: daunting. I, I remember uh I tell the story often it was after the summer, right? The, the the announcement had been made, and we had our first leadership team meeting in October. And twenty-five people, we set up the chairs, everything was going good, and I was fully prepared for the meeting. And I and I sat down and and I looked up. And people who I had worked with for years that had been, honestly, my mentors, many of them, if not all older than me at that point, uh, in many ways, more experienced than me at that point, And I freaked out. Uh, I was, I was, I was terrified. I, I really was. And wow. because I'm me and I, and I can, and I can, you know, always put myself down pretty quickly. You know, I just shared, I am terrified. This is a, this is a terrifying experience. Now. I had the the great benefit that many of them were my close friends and and truly in my corner and people really wanted to see would succeed. But it it took me seven or eight years to not feel like I was leading somebody else's camp. Uh, it, it really wow. took a long time for me to get into the position where I felt like this was really mine and, and my partner Hillary's camp. So it, it was... It was really uh, it, it was a journey, and I, I will tell you, it started to happen before the pandemic, but the pandemic was probably the biggest driver. Where you know you were now running something completely different, and I was able to prove that we were able to do that both in twenty and then twenty one, and that is when I really felt like okay, I have my sea legs under me, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a bit of a journey. Well, wow, that's 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 really unbelievable.
3: So, so what were there any particular things that you did um, that stick out uh, when, when you when okay? So here, you you now have the uh, <laughs> it's your responsibility now. Like like like, did, were there things that you did to ingratiate yourself to the camp families, to the staff, like things like that? Anything yeah, intentional? for sure.
4: I mean. I mean, the first thing that we did is we called every family and we made it a mission that we were going to reach them. It wasn't, we were not just reaching, uh, we were not just going to leave a message. It was, it was really important that we hit every family and we did the exact same thing with every staff member. And, but, and
3: For our listeners that we're talking about 600 families or something or 500 yeah, families. No, I mean, it's it a was, lot, it was of, a lot people. of phone calls. Yeah. It was
4: a lot of phone calls. Yeah. But uh, in many ways that, that part was not the hard part. It it was, Once camp was open in that summer of 2013, and it was walking around feeling like I have to make decisions regardless of how people will judge me in those decisions. You know, will Greg make that decision better or worse than Jeff would have made that decision? Because the decision had to be made. So, And I I would constantly remind myself, and I actually looked back at my notes beforehand, because um, I read everything down, I could have been plagued by those decisions, and sometimes I was, but if I didn't make the decision at all, that was going to just, you know, go terribly. Yeah, well, uh, so we, we all that know that we, a, the easiest decision to make is no decision. For sure. And so I would really consciously remind myself, I had this mantra that I say to myself every morning, that I don't have a choice, I now have to make this decision. So that 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 was one thing. The other big thing that 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 for me was uh, significant was saying, "Am I doing this, whatever change, whatever decision I was making? Am I doing this because I'm trying to make myself feel like a camp director, or am I doing this because I really believe this is right for the camp?" And by the way, that's a fine line. Um, You know, I, I can I can give like a really specific example. Um, we we wanted to change a, a, a silly thing like how we were gonna do a rival. and it was just something that I believed so strongly in my heart was right for so long. But at a certain point, I really thought, a, is it that important? And B, is it just something that I'm doing because I want to show everyone. I'm the camp director. And I and I came down to the fact that I think I'm doing it just because I want to show everybody that I'm the camp director. But then there were other times that I made choices that I really believe was right. And 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 the team wouldn't follow on with me. I all I did for the first two years was work on my relationships with the leadership team, the families, and the staff. That was it. Nothing else mattered. Um and I think the the other thing that I did I will share. I would tell these former directors very clearly. Didn't always, wasn't always. These were not always easy conversations. No. how much time they could actually spend at camp. <laughs> uh, so we 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 went into this with a very prescribed agreement because otherwise, you know, people are talking, tor- yeah. Who do I go to? And well, and uh, and their beloved figures. They're, they're the kind of people you everyone's just going to hug. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, so that was another huge thing for me as well.
3: Wow, that is so interesting. I love the way that you were able to take a distance on that and 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 say, like, is is this the right decision for the camp? Is this right, or am I doing this because of my, you know, ego? Really, right? And it's because I think that anytime that people get promoted, right? If a if a sidekick counselor gets turned into a group leader, right? If a person becomes an assistant director, like you, you see, you see what happens. Like they, their chest gets puffed out, and the, and they get this confidence, and then it's all of a sudden like. You need to listen to me because I'm in this role now. Like, they forget that you have to prove yourself. And I just love that you articulated it and said that you just focused on the relationships of those three major stakeholders, right? Because that is what it's all about, right? You can't just be telling people what to do. You can't just be decreeing things, right? It has to be in concert with everybody. It has to be in agreement with everybody. you got to get the buy-in, you know? And, and they have to respect that you're, that you're you're that you're doing it because of the right reasons.
4: And I'll, I'll actually say when I when I started to go awry a little bit about this when enrollment became really strong so 15 16 17 we had, we had a couple of really good years it is very easy to to let that ego win again um and I and I even I, I can even think of times where where I where I went a little too far to make certain decisions because I felt like I got this um and 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 having to remember to pull yourself back and say you know what This is not about the fact that we were able to enroll six campers faster than the neighboring camp. This is really about continuing to make this a place that matters for kids. So, so I'm constantly reminding that myself because ego wins sometimes, and that's uh, it's important to not let that happen. Well, that is
3: awesome. I I appreciate your candor with that. Uh, That is super. Um, One last thing I want to talk about with Elmwood is that I know from my relationship with Jeff that you guys have always had uh, tenuous uh, relationships with your neighbors. Uh, At at Greg's camp, uh, Greg and Hillary's camp, the, um, the neighbors are literally encroaching on the fence line, like all around them. Uh, I don't know when it was built a hundred years ago, it might have been nobody there. It might have been farmlands. but now <laughs> there's families. And I remember one story that Jeff had told me where, you know, a, a family was all irritated just because if they looked out the window at some point, like, you know, they might see a kid like get to the top of the of the zip line, you know, kind of thing, you know, six times a summer or whatever, and and call the police or whatever. So, so how did you reach out to the neighbors? How did you ingratiate yourself to the community?
4: Yeah. Well, if you want to ever do a podcast just about neighbors, Andy, I could have given you yes. like six hours worth of stories. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I will say at the beginning, it was actually really easy because there was so much hatred toward Bobby and Jeff that all of a sudden it was like, well, we don't hate you as much. So so that was helpful. Um, I have, we, we, we met with every neighbor. I will now tell you I'm probably just as hated <laughs> As uh Jeff and Bobby were ten years ago, it you know the well done, Greg. Reality, Good work. Good work. Thanks. <laughs> I'm proud of that. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, you know on a five and a half acre camp with five hundred plus children, you are you are a nuisance, and and so I really try to recognize how much of a nuisance we are, and and do everything that I can to work with the town and the neighbors to uh, to to make them happy, but sometimes you just can't. and um, you know it, it, I will say I will say that also progress in any way shape or form scares communities. So you know, when a camp does a, a new facility piece, the fear is well, they're going to add 300 more children. I often want to say, because you have seen them would, <laughs> where would 300 more children go but 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 they but they're but they're afraid of that. and um and and so it was a big deal. I was very lucky in that in in the beginning I had a pretty good run with the neighbors but uh but they, by the way it would be a really great subject for the, for the podcast because there's a lot of good
3: stuff in there. Oh, absolutely. No du- no doubt about it.
4: What are their biggest complaints? Is it the traffic on the street? Is it the noise? Well, th- this summer the traffic was the was was, was the big thing. So, uh yeah, and that comes in waves in terms of when people want to want to want to care about it, but traffic was a huge huge factor um, because they're really concerned about the amount of vehicles that come in and out of the property every day and so forth. The noise, um, we do a lot of evening programming. Uh, so, you know, look, and, and and I actually 100% believe that many of their complaints are valid. So, we, so we, actually, we really try to work with them as much as possible. Unfortunately, I think just sometimes what happens is there are neighborhood associations that become very powerful. So while we actually have a good relationship with several of our neighborhoods uh, our neighbors, it's really the neighborhood associations that make this uh, a little more challenging are you allowed to be a part of the neighborhood association what we are not allowed to be a part of the neighborhood association ah. we do we do however meet once a year with all for anybody who wants to come uh, mm-hmm. we invite them over to camp we do like a big meeting I share with them all of the stuff and good, so that's it's we have such a great relationship with a handful of neighborhoods, uh, a handful of neighbors. Our police department. Luckily, one of our neighbors is actually the fire department. So, like, there's so much good stuff. Um, but it's uh, it's it's a tough eight week summer, and I get a lot of I spend a lot of time just answering their phone calls and and so forth. I'll I will never I'll never forget in the the pandemic summer it was 20, and you know in 2020 you felt like you were doing heroic God's work. work, God's, God's work. work. And so um, the way that we would do parent pickup because we had to be distances, we we had this megaphone where we would call out numbers, and we don't <laughs> often do that. And every day, this neighbor would call and complain about it. And I, I I I am known for actually not having a temper. I am I am very even. I, I really don't. And she's calling. And she's I heard forty three. I heard her just say forty three. And I said, lady. We are doing God's work. And I put (laughs) up So that was uh, not my finest moment. But uh, other than that, we we, we do okay. Holy mackerel.
1: This episode of the Camp Owners Podcast is brought to you by Camptivities. Every year, it's the same thing. Lots of hours spent working on the daily schedule only to find mistakes, missed activities, and lots of stress along the way. Why is it so difficult? There's got to be a better way. And there is. That's where Camptivities comes in. An activity scheduler made specifically for camps by camp people. Group scheduling, camper scheduling, they've got you covered. Different day schedules, not a problem. Auto scheduling, you got it. Elective scheduling, you bet. Batch scheduling, yes. Schedule the way that works for your camp. With over 50 different reports, you'll be able to see the data easily. Make activity scheduling easier, less stressful, and more efficient. They'd love to show you the next big thing in camp. So don't wait. Start the onboarding process now while you have the time. Visit camptivities.com to set up a time to chat. Let them help you get away from your desk and back out into camp.
3: All right, Sam. So tell us what, Tell us the story of Candy Mountain.
5: Candy Mountain. So our story is, is a little bit different than Greg's because uh, my wife and I did not grow up at the camp. We, we didn't work at the camp. Uh, we were at Sleepaway Camp together and then... Uh, you know the the word kind of got out that that this camp was available um called Canyon Mountain at the time so my wife and I came uh, and worked with the old owners for a summer so that was a really unique experience because no one on staff knew that we why we were there they just knew that we were this you know young couple that came in uh, my wife was nine months pregnant with uh with our son my um so she was in the office and the, the greatest you guys have both been here our office, um, was a they, they built it as a greenhouse, so it was all windows on the ceiling. So in the summer it was 180 degrees for adults in in there, and in the winter it was like 10 degrees. So my sweat, wife sweat lodge. Yep, my wife was in the office with ceiling fans and fans all around her, um, and I, I neither one of us had you know back in the day neither one of us had titles. So I was just at camp, and so I was introduced as Sam. <laughs> And everyone who had been there forever was like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" And they're like, "And Herb and Roots are with the owners. Like, he's just going to help." Um, Research. So that's it. So, what did I do? I spent all day with a little pad taking notes all day of all the things that we wanted to change because it was it. it, it Thirty years ago, it was an extremely popular, um, you know, top-notch camp, and as the the old owners got older. The program didn't change. The facility didn't change. The the leadership didn't change. So many of the people that were there had been there for a very long time, uh, were very set in their ways. I was telling a story today at lunch that um, some of the division heads also were, were educators and they had consulting jobs. So during the day, they would be on their phone working for their other job while at camp. So they would leave the dining hall, leave all their kids to go consult. For something else. Um, So that yeah, so that summer was a fascinating experience to be able to just kind of be a a fly on the wall. Um, And both of you know me well, I'm not a a sit in the back kind of guy. So without a real job <laughs> title, I got my hands in everything. You know, was I, I was,
3: before yeah. you go on, I, I, I just want to throw out there to, to all those pipeline complainers out there. Right, there are lots of camps right now being run by people who need to get rid of them in the next yes. ten years. Yes. Right, and and you know those are the kind of people you need to start conversations with. Yeah, all right, all right. And, so. and
5: different different than Greg. You know, when we came in after that summer. First of all, named Candy Mountain is great if you're three or four. It's not so
3: great if you're in the nineteen sixties. Correct. And they would sing the big rock
5: candy mountain. And you know, do you guys know that song? Up on the big rock yeah. candy. and a drink the whiskey is a is a is a line in the song.
4: <laughs> that, and, when, that, and, and the logo, right? Did the logo have like a candy, candy canes? Candy canes. Candy canes. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Candy it canes. was like
3: Candyland. Yeah. We just Correct. called it the Candyland. That's what we yeah. called it. Candy canes all
5: over camp, you know, the whole thing. So after that summer, you know, it was clear to my wife and I from the leadership team, those that we were going to want to keep at least for for that summer and those that we were not going to bring back. Um, so that was, you know, talk about transitions. I was 32 and I was firing people who were 50, 60 and 70 yeah, who had been at sure. this camp for 15 or 20 years and, and telling them that they're, they're not going to have a place back at camp. Um, so that was, you know, we 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 were lucky in the sense that we had to build our team kind of from the beginning with, with people that we connected with over that summer and through our relationships, and had to kind of do a big cleaning house of those that that you know, weren't going to be you know, on on the bus. They, they didn't have the
3: right seats. Yeah, you were really lucky to be able to spend that summer there. My yes, no, it was. I mean,
5: the idea of. Of, of starting and that's as we talked earlier about how to start in this industry you got to be there in the summer it, it, the, the stuff you do year-round is, is so not relevant to the summer you got to be there in the summer to understand the pulse of the camp uh the the culture of the camp the philosophy of the camp and if it's the right fit for you
3: and from a from an owner's perspective if i'm looking to pass the baton if you how you're going to handle the stress and the pressure that's correct. what i want to see from you correct right are you going to crumple up Because, you know, that's really what it that's the hard part of our job is maintaining that. All right. You know, you you heard Greg, you you know, once in uh, once in 10 years, he he got angry because the the number 46 lady, you know, called. But, you know, you got to keep it together.
5: And it's not how you are week one. Right. It's how you are week eight or week nine. It's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we've all seen amazing staff who after the third or fourth week are just done. They have totally gotten all of their energy out. Because they've sprinted, they've given it their all, and those people are great, but they're not going to make it long term because it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. So that that first summer was it was a research summer and then a full transition. You know, it was changing culture, it was changing the name. Yeah, you know, talk about starting over. You know, for the first five years or even longer, when people would tour Woodmont, they would go, Oh, you're the old Candy Mountain. You're the old, we, we were always the old,
3: you know, it was never understanding. So how did we that were. take place? Talk, talk to us about the rollout of the rebranding.
5: So this is a great story. So Herb and Ruth were the old owners and uh, like most camp deals, it's complicated. You know, you, we They lived at camp. So their their actual like house is also the office. <laughs> so when we took over in September, they were still living in the office because their house wasn't ready in Arizona yet. So I would and this is 17 years ago. So there's no Wi-Fi. You know, it's it's a
3: dial-up. And, and everything there had been done on paper.
5: Correct. Everything so, on paper. Everything on paper. So I would be giving a tour to a family, and Herb would come down the steps in sweatpants and like a half shirt. <laughs> and and, and he would be scratching his belly. And I would say to this family, <laughs> So that's Herb. He he was the old owner. Good, good morning, Herb. How are you? Um, and so in the summer, as we, you know, we were negotiating and we still weren't even totally set on the deal. We knew Alicia and I knew we were, the name had to be changed, but we weren't sure how they would take it because they, they, this was their baby. They built it up. We thought that it might be a deal breaker, you know, that if if they knew. So I was sitting with Herb one night and I said, Herb, how do you like the name Candy Mountain? Like, what do you think? And he goes, if it were up to me, I would have changed it 20 years ago. And I said, Uh Good. Because we are planning on changing it, so the day like camp ended on August fifteenth, August sixteenth, there was a new sign up. There was new. We had already gotten all printed and done, and it was all rebranded like literally the next
3: day. The two thousand um, the, the 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 next registration forms had the logo. Correct, on
5: all, all the logo, and then we. I mean, we were starting from scratch, right? Because you, we all know that when you when you're picking a camp, you're picking it based on the reputation, the directors, and you know, no one knew us from a hole in the wall. Yeah. Um, even though we were there in the summer, you know, we weren't we, our titles were irrelevant. So it was really just starting to build a culture. And, you know, not so dissimilar to, to Greg where he said it took time. You know, I don't think Woodmont hit its stride until weeks, you know, year five, six, seven, eight. Because at the beginning, we were running someone we we didn't know what we wanted to run. You know, we were taking from all of our past experiences and using those to run camp. And so we weren't really running our own camp. We were running pieces of all of our mentors' camps and using all of their language and verbiage and papers until we could really find, you know, our footing. And, and that, that took time, for sure.
3: Yeah. When I was at North Shore Day Camp, we had multiple owners, like sort of like our Southwood situation. And one summer would be like the Elmwood version of it. And then next year would be like the Harbor Hills version of it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you, have you have to what find what your who song you are. is. Right. right. How, you identi-
5: how you identify and, and what, what culture you, you're going to build and your team. You know, the first year we added one or two, but there were still a lot of Candy Mountain folks, and even though they they bought in, you know, they still liked the old way. And we we made some drastic changes. You know, we we didn't allow cell phones. We, I mean, some crazy things. We stopped serving hot dogs every day for lunch, which. <laughs> You know, kids hey, there's still things. camps that do that.
3: There's still I camps that do listen, that. It's fine, but
5: kids, kids that eat five hot dogs a day, I, I just don't think
3: it's good for you. I think five uh, hot dogs a week's probably not good partially, but yeah. yeah. I'm, ro- I'm, going out, I'm,
4: I'm going out on the Andy. I'm saying five hot dogs a day is not good for your diet. He was trying to remain politically correct there. He was yeah. Trying to toe the line. Right, we
5: we had staff, we changed one of our policies. Uh, many of the staff we felt didn't dress appropriately. There were a lot of like skimpy bikinis at camp at Candy Mountain. So one of our policies, it's a, it's a tankini or a one-piece. You know, if you're at work, you're there to work. And we had lifeguards who did not return because of that policy change. They said, if we can't wear a bikini, we don't want to work. And I said, well, then it probably isn't the right place for you. Yeah, You probably That's should hilarious. go work at a beach, right? Go work at a pool. <laughs> Can you imagine? And, and by the way, of the people who didn't return, two of them were adults in their 30s and 40s who said, that I, I, I won't work at the pool If you make
4: me wear something other than a bikini. I'd like to believe that it was about something larger for them, but I'd like to believe it was. Greg, I sat with them and said,
5: is this really what the issue is? And they looked at me and said, because I'm like,
3: okay. Did they they accuse you of body shaming? That's what I would have thought.
5: You know what it was? A lot of people said they thought that we were being bought by the religious so that was well. That, that was, was a big,
3: that that was a threat at one time, was, at one point. It was a big, were, big rumor. Yeah, big that rumors. Yeah, so they it said, was it was more than a rumor. Trust yes. Well, we were negotiating yeah. against them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then how did you how did you bring them into the 21st century? As far as like all the paperwork, like yeah, like at yeah. like, like this, like did you just decide you know what? We're just turning the page and we're just starting with year one, or like did did you want to know? Like, don't you want to know who your alumni are? Don't you want to like follow up with like you know.
5: Day one, day one, it was, we, we transitioned to an online database, you know, one that I'd experienced with for, for years at, at my sleepway camp.
3: You could say that. We talked about minder.
5: it. Campminder, right sorry. I used, <laughs> so we used, I, I've been at Campminder camp, camp uh, for, since their inception. I was one of the first. Right. Sam and I there. are originals. So original. Correct. We're really the OG Campminder people. Um, so, you know, I, I called Dan and said, listen, uh, we have nothing. H- how do we get this data at least into Campminder? And then I, we, had to, we had to type all of it into Excel. And then upload it from Excel to campighters and days 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 of work of of getting all of that in but yeah Andy people who were there two or three summers before we just didn't have the the wherewithal to get it in so we we would just do that summer spend it all upload it in and then and then go from there but it was it's so daunting and and, and I mean they bus routes they they had paper you know there was there was no way to track billing you know they when you asked them how many kids they had in camp they're like Eight hundred. Oh, by the way, his cousin was there for a day. We charged him a day rate. He right. paid forty five dollars and came for the day.
3: Right. And and one of the and one of the reasons why the deal didn't go through with the other folks is because there was no proof of how much money, <laughs> how many kids, or Correct. anything. They Correct. were just buying this this you know, like, you know, they were buying like, I don't know, something. But yeah, that, and we
5: were stupid enough to say, you know what, we'll oh, figure you, it out. We'll, no, you took risk. We're we going back. A, we're going right, back to we risk. Took, we took a giant going risk, back yeah. to
3: risk. You said, here's this great place and this in this great location yep. and with great people running it, and we can make this work. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. And right, then we're put our ass on the line, and make yeah, it work.
5: I think two years later the economy collapsed. So that was fun. That was <laughs> right. That was good to make it through that risk of where how you how you're gonna pay your bills. Um but look that, to, to Greg's point earlier. It's all we did. We, we worked seven days a week. It, it, our life was camp. We were raising a, an infant, and we would spend seven days a week at camp. And if you wanted to tour, my answer was yes. yes. Are you available Saturday at 6? Yes. Sunday morning at 8? Yes. Yeah. I, I, there was never – my answer was not no. Yeah. I, I did not have the, 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 the ability to say no because if they didn't tour – if I said no, my fear, and, and Greg still feels this way, is that they're going to go tour someone else. And then sign up, and I've lost that.
3: Yeah. Well, you guys are in a highly competitive area, so it's yes. not really. That's more than a fear. That's sort of reality. Yeah. With a staff person too, which is even a bigger deal these days. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I love yeah. the metaphor of the infant. Absolutely raising an infant. That that is what it's like, except it's yeah. this giant. You know, forty acre infant. You know.
5: Yeah. And Greg really- said it, it. I think the way that we make decisions is what's right for Woodmont. You know, Woodmont and, and Elmwood and Liberty Lake—they're—they're they're entities. They're living beings. And when you're making these decisions, it's not what's right for Sam or for Greg or for Andy, but what's right for Woodmont. And then that's right for the families and for the staff and for everyone else. And so you make difficult decisions, and then it is your baby. Right now, it's, we were raising you know a, a 17-year-old that is fun and exciting, and we can do stuff that the first five years, we were putting all of our money into septic tanks and pipes. You can't sell that.
4: And by the way, that, that can change. You know what, What's right for Woodmont, what's right for Elmwood, what's right for Liberty Lake— It it could change in 2013 to 2017, you know, families change. And I, and I actually, that is, uh, for me, one of the biggest challenges was, you know, change is critical, you know, in order to continue to, to be relevant to families today. And I, and I remember, you know, in the, in the early years, we were a camp that was pretty resistant to change. You know, that was, that was going to be my, was going to be my big thing we were going to have to figure out a way to stay relevant to our families. Um, and that was only going to be possible by making some small and some really significant changes.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I want to go back to what Sam said about the, about the commitment level and the work life balance. So we're going full circle now. We're going back to the pipeline. Yep, okay? yep, yep. And, and um, because it really is something that you need to consider. It is really the grass is always greener, right? When I worked as a, as a teacher and I could work and get off at 3 o'clock and then do a side hustle and then get vacations off and all those kind of things. And, yeah, I was a band director. I had my big winter concert. That was rough. Okay? But it was nothing like running a summer or a summer camp. And... Um, And I was listening to the Scott Galloway podcast, which I highly recommend, and and he was talking about startups and such and saying how that if you decide that you really want to do this, you want to be a small business owner, right? You want to bring something up from nothing to something. You really have to just understand that it's going to – you're not going to be able to watch that that four-season Netflix series anytime soon, plain and simple, right? You're going to be working seven days a week. It's going to compromise your relationships. It's going to compromise everything that you do. And your business will become successful, hopefully, yeah. and it'll pay off. But you have to understand that. And that is something that for the young folks right now, they're trying to break in. That's what we're talking about. We need to see you in action. We need to see if you have that commitment level because we don't think it necessarily grows on trees, right? It never did. And in this right. day and age where everything comes to people so easily, right, where you can literally just apply and get a job on your phone in 30 seconds, Um it, it, this is this is old school. This is old school. Roll your sleeves up, kind of stuff.
5: I still work seven days a week. I just the only difference oh, yeah. seventeen years later is that now I'll tell families here's when I'm doing tours. So yeah, I'm yeah. still here every weekend, <laughs> but it's not now. It's around my my kids' baseball schedules yeah. in my life, and so and by I the way, that's, be, that's,
3: that's only because enrollment's good right now. If Rome wasn't, I'd, I'd be, be I'd be skipping be, my kids' baseball games. Tell me when. Tell me when to be here.
4: Yeah. I, I will. I will be here when you do. and I. Uh, and, and that is, that is a question that I get asked all the time. Well, 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 great. Greg, you can't tell me that this is more important than raising my children or I, this is not more important than the fact that I have to go to this holiday dinner. And and my answer is it's not more important. They can both be important at the same time. There yeah. is a way to do two things at once. You know, it may mean that you have to go to the holiday dinner late. And I actually think there's a valuable message in that. Sometimes, you know, there are going to be extenuating circumstances in life—weddings, funerals—the things that just happen, you know, once every so often. But for the most part, kids' games and dance recitals and all of these things—they're very real and they're and they're in our lives all the time. There is a way to make everything a priority at once. It's complicated, and yeah. and for me, and and I've had these conversations with my own children multiple times, you know we all of these great things that we want to be able to do in life and be a part of we have to be able to to work and love our family time and say goodbye to us sometimes and it's all possible if we're open and we talk about it and i and i think it doesn't have to be an either or it can be a both.
5: yeah look you take our good friend jeff Gould and partner he's on the road what 150 days a year so he's missing track meets and he's when he's home, he's home and he's there and he does everything he can. But, you know, he's in France, he's in Belize, he's in, but, you know, he's all over the place. And, yeah. You know, if you watch him on Facebook, you don't know where he wakes up. Yeah. But no, but it, he's it, a great parent and, and he's dedicated and right. you, you can't do it. You can't. No,
3: you, I, the balance
5: I, is, is there.
3: I'm in a million things. I have so many obligations and I am the king of leaving early and I'm the king of showing up late. But yeah. I get there. That's right. I get there. Yeah. You know, except with my own camp. I don't. I don't, I don't that will <laughs> compromise
5: You may not be the king in leaving early. I may take that title, but it, it, other... <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: yes, uh, historically famous. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been great. This is this is like an all-timer. This podcast. Wow. I, th- I think we should actually run this thing on the on the uh, camp owners podcast. It should be run on their feed also because it, yeah. was, <laughs> it was so relevant for that. I'll, 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 I'll ask Howie. I'll give Wait, him my three. first podcast, and I get
4: to be on two feeds. That's Maybe anything. I'm not promising you anything. <laughs> I think but, that would blow my mind.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought there was a lot of great relevant stuff here. So I, I want to thank Greg, and I want to thank Sam for their time, because um, Sam is literally running off to pick up his son from baseball practice. Baseball tonight? Um, and we want to thank the Go Camp Pro team and A.M. Skyer, Commercial Recreation Specialist, for allowing us to bring this podcast to you. If you like what you hear, you should subscribe to the Day Camp Pod on your favorite podcast platform. Check out the show notes from all our episodes at daycamppodcast.com, as well as contact info for the show, for Sam, for Greg, and for Sam Thompson. We wish you the best, and she'll be back next week. So thanks for listening and making yourself a better Day Camp Pro. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Day Camp Pod.
2: Welcome back, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that crossover episode with our friends from the day camp pod as always if you are wanting to reach out to us or get in touch with us maybe you have some awesome ideas or guests that you'd like us to think about having on the show you can reach the two of us my email is kelly with a y at hiddenpinesranch.com, or i'm on instagram at KJShuna 3 howie how can people get a hold of you
0: they can reach me at howie at camp and find me on social at 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 Howie Grossinger. Look forward to hearing from people in the near future. Kelly, we also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Camp Rain and Camp Divities. We're so long, uh, so happy they're along for the ride and uh, amazing people, amazing products. Please check them out uh, when you have the time. Please don't forget that you can find all of our show notes at gocamp.pro slash ownerspod. You can find the resources that we mentioned in this episode and lots of good stuff there from our show and other GoCamp Pro podcasts out there. We hope you enjoyed this crossover episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time on the Camp Owners
1: Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Camp Owners Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash The Camp Owners Podcast is part of the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp pros of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, camp pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, if you've gotten even one good idea from a GoCamp Pro podcast, a masterclass, from the Summer Camp Pros group on Facebook, at a conference, or wherever else, we ask that you give credit where credit is due. That way, we can encourage camp pros to keep freely sharing their brilliant ideas and make the camp industry better. Thanks very much.